what do you guys want to talk about? You got weird theory uh, Instagram? Well, I mean, I think that that makes sense, right? Like there's... You want to talk about current events? You can, you, you just keep it loose or current events are kind of, you know... Yeah, let's start, let's start with the kind of history of it. How'd you guys, how'd you guys link up? Um, okay, so Julian and I met maybe like three months back now. I was doing kind of like call out culture adjacent memes maybe about a year ago, cause that's a thing that I is near and dear to my heart. Um, so I was running a page for a while called Call Out The Gathering, which was just like cancel culture shit with like Magic The Gathering cards. And I met Julian and then Luke, who lives in Australia, who does, uh, used to do Dungeons and Dasein. He also does, he does Deleuze and Dragons now. Oh, okay. Um, So we did, we just started talking and hanging out because I guess I started seeing the memes and I, I guess most people understand now that like five years ago, people weren't really making memes about this shit. Like even yeah. when they were reading stuff, there wasn't a lot of like, ha ha, I know who Nick Land is. I know the like associated terms. I can laugh at this even if people were reading and so i think that i was just kind of fascinated at first that there were not only people who were making memes about the stuff that i was reading and into but also specifically because i had been doing the magic cards before then like this weird kind of like stupid niche just like fantasy art and stuff and so luke and i started talking and then like julian runs beyond woke and problematic And so originally I'm just like messaging them from my personal account. And I'm like, I guess at a certain point I used to be, you guys talked to Rusty Kelly last time. And so I'm like in that harsh noise power electronics world. I know him from that. And I don't know, like most people kind of thought you were a punisher for like talking about books you read. And so I just didn't have a real space for this. So when I kind of moved off of, I think in the space of like kind of getting away from doing shows and shit i was really excited to be able to talk about theory and i started seeing these meme pages pop up and julian and i have talked about it it's like three years ago there's like a few of us i mean like three months ago there's like a few of us and now it's like everyone is making an account with like 12 memes they don't have much else but like the fake gang shit and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been wondering that like the fake Baudrillard, you know, like fake Agamben, like there's all this stuff yeah. popping up that's just kind of yeah. like, it, it seems like this this like new form of like visual uh, hyperstition, which in some ways, like, I think it's really interesting because if you look at the way like these kind of visual meme pages started cropping up and a lot of it was on like Facebook too, like kind yeah. of like, weird Facebook stuff. Like, I remember like, there was just a point where you could not reference Fang Numina. Like it was just completely yeah. off. It was, it was, it was like, you, you had to have not even read it. You cannot speak of it. It was really, it kind of became like the, the Lovecraftian, like, you know, monster, which, you know, which could not be like seen in and of itself. Like, like that book kind of had like that, that Necronomicon type of like energy surrounding it. And it was weird. Cause when I saw like the meme pages pop up all these people and you know, like he Valencia, he's like, yeah, Aloiso, yeah. Yeah. He like about Nick land all the time. And it's like, it kind of defanged this stuff. And like, if you look at like all these kind of like uh, reactionary type of thinkers who were like seen as like dark and evil and Nazis, it's like, I've talked to Moldbug, like the dude's not racist at all. He's like a Gen X retard. Like he reminds me of my dad. 
Yeah. He's like a he's Usenet just... dude who believed in the kind of utopia of like 90s internet shit. Yeah. And that's like his biggest fault, maybe, is actually <laughs> well, just the that. The biggest he's... fault is that he's just a liberal. And like Brace from Truanon and me were like talking about that. He's like, isn't it funny that after all this time, Nick Land wasn't some like, you know, mystical Nazi who was like, hunkered up in shanghai like plotting to like destroy you know like minorities he's just some like 80s liberal like well, so like i mean so like julian and i broke quar about a week ago to hang out Sick. in jersey and um we talked about this it's it's very much this kind of thing where like you can't you can talk about reading fang numina now but you can't really talk about reading his nrx stuff and taking it seriously which is like thing too. I think like that is more useful. I mean, a lot of people like they they say, oh well, the old Nick Land is, is safe. Uh, you know, uh, Nick Land of of Kant and uh, the prohibition of incest, and like the new Nick Land, that's the toxic stuff that you can't touch. But I mean, I, mean, I think that the stuff is valuable too. You don't have to agree with it, but I mean, as like I think uh, yeah, Akon, Akon, um, yeah, you know, watching with him is. He's a veritable opponent uh, of the left. And I think if you really want to understand, like, the American libertarian right, uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, you know, read the Dark Enlightenment, uh, yeah. you know, read the cranked uh, tweets, you know, I, I think there's value in that. I mean, I, you know, I think his, his work on Kant is still, like, the most radical reading of Kant, uh, you know, out there. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, I think that that's like part of the literacy thing, though, too, is like people don't read enough. And when you the cancel thing in culture or anywhere else is basically congratulating yourself for how little you've like interacted with. And the more that you read, the more that you're just like, oh, right, I don't agree with anyone. And it's it's a kind of a psyop for literacy to talk about the CCRU shit like it was anyone's most cogent work, or even yeah. to interpret it as inherently left. Like the the idea that Nick Land on some kayfabe shit was like on the ropes taking a heel turn, I think is really dumb. Because end of the day, like, is there a lot of fame numina that tells me categorically Nick Land was a communist in the 90s? Well, he just comes from that position of, because I mean, he is a Kantian and he is uh, obviously a Deleuzian and a sort of neo-Spinozist. And I think the issue with that is like, if you look at sort of like Deleuze's reading of Marx, it's a very non-left interpretation, but he still right. comes from this like Marxist vector. And that's kind of why, like, even for myself, like I still consider myself a Marxist, even right. though I'm not necessarily left i'm i wouldn't say i'm right though because i'm i'm sure. not I, I i would say i'm more of that delusian space of not being left yeah. right exactly and but well but also still like a lot of my thought is still coming from like prescriptive marxism and when it comes to sociology and then taking my own sort of like yeah. avenues out of that place and i think that's why that's where you could say like Nick Land may be a Marxist, but he's definitely not a communist. Well, I mean, you, but it's so hard, you know, it's all this is so semantic that it's hard, you know? Well, I mean, like you think of this with like ATP, right? You get the, the classic line is that it's a Marxian critique of 
Freud and a Freudian critique of Marx, but people, excuse me, especially because of like One or Several Wolves, which is one of my favorite pieces of writing, period, across the board, it's still stuff like that sticks in people's memory as ATP is really just the Marxian critique of Freud. And it's almost funny because what you see way more often across the board as you get into like the faciality stuff. And I think that this is what like Thomas Moynihan's doing with Spinal. There is more and more room to have no nonsense, like understandings of social paradigms and how they relate to Marx. And I think that that's, I mean, even on just like bottom tier of cultural criticism, uh, like what Anna and Dasha are doing ultimately is like recentering some sort of like proper psychoanalytic debate at the like level of class. Like they're yeah. deterritorializing what has been for the last 10 years, this very like race reductive, race science based approach to what could be called Marxism or class struggle. But ultimately it's like, none of it involves what actually builds desire, what actually is like, desiring machine almost sounds fascistic. Yeah. Because you don't read Deleuze, you just read about Deleuze. No, it's 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 a hundred percent right. I, I think that's a. I think the re, the reading about the reading is a big problem, and this is what yeah. you know. A friend of mine, Jaunty Tip Lady. I don't know if you know his no. work or his writing. He's he's written some amazing stuff on like his concepts of like angelicism, and he's very like post God kind of stuff about like uh, you know God AI. He's really into uh, Mitchell Heisman and stuff. Oh, and he's cool. Derrida. And you know the way he talks about it is he talks about it as unreading. Like by unreading, by reading only about the reading is a form of unreading, which is basically the reading's ultimate endorsement. He's like you basically by by refusing to read and by only reading the reading, you are basically giving the 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 thing its ultimate power and so i think that's one of the things i was interested in like all these funny fucking memes are like they're they're like kind of putting this stuff in this place that like this guy's just like you know jerking off somewhere in shanghai like no big deal like lacan is like that like nobody's unless you're like you know you have a very high level of like french literacy like you haven't read a, a creeps or, or you have, and if you do, you don't understand it, but like that, that's, I, I, I don't know how anybody who's not like a, a you know, a, a, a Francophone can read Lacan like in, you know, uh, in, in like a, the source material. Like I think that, I don't know. Uh, I the only way I read Lacan was through uh, Jacqueline Miller and Zizek. We're playing it like team sports, right? Like that's, it's once again, like the congratulation for not reading that much I'm only going to like take the time to read as much as uh, confirms my worldview. And that's why, I mean, we, as much as Murphy or like Culp, I think are ultimately like occupying the territory of like, well, no one's made a Deleuze for dummies. So they're going to, at the end of the day, it exists because most people who interact with Deleuze, like, and, and like, it is like Deleuze, right? Like they say D and G because they want to, but they don't think about how those are eras for a single writer and how Guattari has work of his own and stuff. It is this team sports thing where people are constantly only taking in as much as they need to confirm their worldview. I mean, the literacy thing is really 
frustrating because people seem entirely incapable of separating diagnostic from prescription. And if you can't do that, you don't recognize that you disagree with everyone. You have to be able to say, oh, right, like I actually, I pay attention to like BAP and Perfume Nationalists and all these dudes who are absolutely more poetically handling what is wrong with the world, even though we have very different ideas about like what's next. You you get into this space where people also love kind of removing things from their correctness or how they become allergic to anything that they can deem obvious. So if you look at like Evola, who at multiple times has said, hey man, like I don't care if you're a capitalist or a communist, you're not properly going to account for like a spiritual component. Totally. And that no one has the answer for that properly. And people will say, oh, yeah, sure. But like, that's obvious. So like, we don't have to give Ebola credit there. It's like nothing in this whole space. Like if you're interacting with theory, what were you saying? You can give Gwinnon credit for that or something like that. Judging things based on the starter pack version of them, you know, and and it's the team sports thing. But I also feel like what you guys are doing sometimes is sometimes you're... I mean, and I know this might be overly kind of utility focused, but sometimes you're saving someone time in the sense of these things are like these great initiatic sequences to go through that will change the way your brain works. And I was trying to explain this to um, my friend. We were like camping and, and shrooming and I was just like, a lot of philosophy is like this crazy web spun out of these like loner bitter guys in their room and you're just deciding to glide through the webs that they spin out. But like, can someone tell you if that web is worth going through? I mean, obviously they can't tell you if it's worth going through for yourself if they haven't gone through it or they don't, I mean, it's a complex question, but I feel like that's sort of what you guys are doing sometimes is like, like presenting like, cause there are like obvious pitfalls to people's thought or like there's obvious places where they might drop off even people that love them. Like, like uh, Kant, like whatever, like, uh, you know, uh, what is it? The categorical, you know, what is it? Categorical. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Like, like someone should sort of know about that before they decide to go through all of him. Or maybe they shouldn't. I'm curious what you guys think. Like, well, okay. So like, I mean, and this ties back to the history thing. I think that what the potato gang is, is it's like, we like other people. We fuck with, especially that chick, uh, Giselle Stanborough in um australia who does the thirsty theory she does like tiktoks oh which yeah, are yeah i've seen her insanely yeah. didactic incredibly useful like makes fun. really fun and funny engaging work that i think is helpful for people but like potato gang is four people four accounts it's me smooth and striated lanes julian beyond woke and problematic this kid dorian in chicago who does dank Deleuze, and then luke who does Deleuze and dragons and yeah. we have other people we fuck with, but yeah, fake, Nina, fake Baudrillard, uh, yeah. they kind of they kind of run on their own lines of flight, and yeah, like, run their own thing. It's kind of out of our control, but um, <laughs> I don't know, more power to them, I guess. But well, I mean, that's the thing though is like we have this all kind of started from us like making some memes and then starting like a dumb little like boys chat to be like, oh hey, like what are we doing when we're making these memes? Like we started collaborating. I hate Photoshopping. So like there's all sorts of stuff that the other boys post that are just me being like, Hey, I have this thought, but I'm not going to go shop LeCon's face on something. 
And it's kind of this constant tug of war with wanting to make content that obviously like courts engagement, like you, we recognize like, oh, occasionally, like you have to make a joke about like Ziz or like the classic, like, oh, like Nick Land and Mark Fisher. Do you, did you know that they they were both, ah, the other side, it's like stupid, you know, like putting your action figures together and making them fight kind of memes. And, <laughs> but it's useful because it makes people engage with the other shit where we you're trying to like shift the overton window a little bit yeah like you can recognize that most people in the world are not gonna like smash like on memes that actually talk about too much of what's on like page 334 of atp like it's gotta be cliff's notes versions like simple glossary terms and then hopefully the visual context is constantly like it's almost like lamination, right? Like you're taking a smooth space and a striated space. And like, there is also, it's not two faces, there's four faces facing each other. And so things are constantly ever individuating on like some Simmonden tip, right? Oh yeah. And so the memes are constantly, and we talk about this a lot where it's almost like stupid, like, you know how in Cloud Atlas, the different characters reincarnate, but also different actors play different versions. It's like what we like to do is with the sonic memes or whatever else, you don't want to create some sort of signifier where like sonic is this person every time and this character from media is this person every time. It's like, fuck that. We want to, the next time you see sonic in a meme, he may be chilling out in a different way. He may be someone else because like what we're ultimately working with is conceptual persona and your people want you know, I think a lot of people want not to reconcile thinkers. They want to believe that, like, Lacan hates Deleuze and, like, Guattari is being, like, stolen from him. Like, it's, like, the Sith taking Anakin or something. <laughs> it's just, like, stupid bullshit where... They need realist- the beef. They need beef. Right. And it's, like, I get the appeal, but at another level part of the literacy thing or even why someone like rusty kelly on your last episode felt the need to say like i wish that i would have gone to school because i wish someone had laid out like the pedagogy like what do you read and then what do you read and then what do you read i have people who come up to me and this is most of the dms me and julian field it's like what do you really think about nick land how do you do you support him what should you read before you read to lose I know it's, yeah. it's mind-blowing yeah. that people... I have like, answers at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's like you have a script in your mind of how to respond to these people at this point. And it's it's really frustrating because when people are like, oh, what do you read before you read Deleuze? I always am kind of like, I guess it's a bit cheeky, but I ask them, like, what can you tell me about what you've already read? Yeah, yeah, totally. It, it's what do you like? It is this because, like because I feel like your reading of Deleuze is going to be sort of like there's going to be like a, a umbelt kind of like framing to how you read Deleuze based on what you've already read. So it's like if you're reading like you're in your reading of of a thousand plateaus, you're going to be looking at like rhizomatic theory very differently if you if you spent your previous years reading like solely like uh sort of essentialist post-colonialist yeah you know versus something like uh 
more like Marxian stuff. It's more like Orthodox Marxism, or you're or you're reading it actually like Deleuze from the right, which is okay. what a lot of people do too. Because like that's the thing about Deleuze is because he's not he's a lot like you know Sellers or even like Heidegger in that weird way. Like there's a lot of like uh, or Hegel or Rousseau or like all these kinds of people where there's like there's a there's a rightist element that's latent in him, and then there's a, a a leftist element like it doesn't exist within one thing it's like what well what came before what you read about him right and so i think a lot of that is going to be your take on him and then a lot of the people but one of the things i think about like the meme making is it's always like who's making them like if you're like that kind of like wipe your docs off guy and you're just kind of making like boilerplate 1.0 you know kind of I- irony antifa yeah. style stuff like your like your memes are not gonna they're gonna get really popular but they're gonna be read through the vector of a non-reading so it's good like one of the things i like about you guys is like you guys have actually clearly read this shit and you're distilling it uh and in a lot of ways that's really powerful like a lot of the criticism you can have is like well that takes the critique the the critique of like that takes the rigor out of like the the whole philosophical project of like why there's philosophical language to begin with is that it's supposed to be embaked within certain references that it's like a golden teaching that people can't access unless you hit the certain point and it's very gatekeepery but yeah. the, but you have to be pragmatic about it and that there's a lot of people out there making these non-readings of these very important philosophers that in many ways like you may want to cancel but are actually really influential to you and your own aesthetic disposition as well so and that's one i think about so yeah that's one thing i always worry about uh and you know i i don't want people to to you know take the memes as like a substitute for reading not that you should force them to read but like i want them to be like something that you know challenges what you what you read or even if it like galvanizes you to 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 read the lose like i got a phone call uh like just the other day from a a friend of mine uh he's not he's never been into theory or philosophy or anything but uh he's one of the hanger-ons uh you know as i started my instagram it was like my main and I just changed it to my Finsta, one of those people. But um, he just called me the other day. And he's just like, yo, I eat, like, I really want to get into to the lose now. I just ordered a thousand plateaus. And he starts like spewing out the language. He's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, you deterioralize this and the flows and the images and whatnot. So like, yeah, it could be a pedagogical tool. It could be uh, like an, a, an entry point. Uh, but yeah, it should never be like a substitute. And I want to make that clear. Right. Um, and that's, I mean, I think we even kind of, in our frustration of like, man, do we just like make the same joke with a slightly different visual motif? Like, or do we try to like change the Overton window a little bit of what people are talking about with these thinkers in our own small ways, you know? I think part of that is this kind of frustration even within ourselves of like, we're all constantly trying to read. And I have like personal rules within myself of like, I'm trying to meme about shit I'm reading. I'm trying to like yeah. keep reading and you get this like stupid, you know, like normal as critique all the time of people who are probably even more online than you who are sitting around and being like, Oh, you know, like social media, like people don't hang out in real life anymore. And it's like, no, actually social media in no way 
is replacing an IRL social life for anybody who had that as an option. What it's actually replacing is what we used to have as time in our lives for reading. Like you have to physically, and like Jack from Perfume Nationalist talks about this all the time, like you have to spend time saying like, oh, right, I'm going to read 20 pages today. I'm going to carve out time and like spend it however I need to spend it, whether it's in silence or you need something playing. Like if you don't do that, you're not working through stuff. And I I go through every few months and just read my old annotations for books. I like speed read a few things across a week and I'm just like, oh, like, how oh, I thought. Do, how do you do annotations? Are you, are so, you? Just, I don't want, I don't want you to give away any secrets. I'm just. No, like, no, I, I mean, I don't believe there should be secrets, but like yeah. the, the, the way that I interact with annotation is pretty like strictly graphical. So like line, underlining and bracketing small like tick marks and stuff like that. I like to make a, a specific mark for when I encounter a word for the first time, because I like knowing where you found that shit, yeah. you know, but outside of the sentimental aspect, I find that because I've been annotating since high school, try to have all of my books basically annotated specifically so I could speed read them. So I could read just my annotations for the book. And then I have like crushed that book again in like a small time in the future. So I'm constantly trying to like reread my library in small areas when I can. And I don't like to write marginal notes by hand because the brevity pushes you into saying something that's very, you know, brief. And because of that brevity, you are very likely to think of yourself pretty much at any point in the future as stupid. Um, Which I think is like when we talk about gatekeeping, one of the funniest things when people like push that along like racial or gendered vectors. I grew up kind of in the last, I'm 25 and I kind of grew up in the last like moment of like comic book nerds who got picked on for liking comics before like everyone became an underwear superhero and I just remember the early 2000s it wasn't like dudes grilling women about whether or not they knew about comics it was actually like oh shit my friend has a girlfriend obviously she's too cool for this shit like she wouldn't want to talk to me about this dumbass shit like the gatekeeping narrative is so dumb because like men are constantly checking each other for information and it's like actually just this competitive capitalist impulse to like assert yourself and like that's the bart thing right like it all comes back to literacy when you talk of death of the author everyone refers it back to this idea of like whether or not you can separate the art from the artist but the real point of death of the author is that you need to stop trying to like put your dick in a book like you need to stop like putting it as like notches on your bedpost which you said in the rusty one right like it is this thing of constantly wanting to consider yourself someone who has a correct interpretation who has vanquished conquered this text and then you're on to the next one and that's even what i mean by this like nothing's requisite like if you wanted to go if you if you wanted to go and be someone who starts at the pre-socratics and like wastes 50 years of your life doing the linear thing it's so incredibly unuseful to interact with information in that way because most people can't even tell you that much about what they've read so the idea that they need to read something next to read something next I mean you talked about this with visual literacy or even just like where your framework when you're coming into a piece 
I think about all the time that whether or not like media, be it like the matrix with Baudrillard or anything else is meaning to or not. And it gets kind of like squished by you know, like all Pomo shit kind of becomes one general like brain fuck like aesthetic for like late 90s, early 2000s uh, movies and shit. It's very interesting to encounter ATP when I'm in high school and start reading Deleuze ultimately because I'm like trying to challenge myself. Like I got into like House of Leaves and then I was like, oh, I'll read more shit like this. But it's weird to think about all of the stuff that like kids, most kids see the Matrix, like the Matrix under 10 years old. And that's their like visual framework for any sort of like non-linear or like any sort of like allegory of the cave based yeah. narratives going forward. We're almost like these memes that everybody's been doing of the like stick man, like XKCD Reddit allegory of the cave. Yeah. It's like funny because it's so much sicker to just do the like Neo waking up from the amniotic egg in yeah. Matrix because it's like that looks sicker. Like we already yeah. have, it's hyperstition, but it's also like nostalgia for hyperstitional objects. No, that no, that's actually a really interesting point. And I, I think this kind of just in my view, it's like how like when you talk about jouissance, like the whole thing with that is like cringe is like the ultimate kind of form of jouissance like you know it's like people who sort of like hate donald trump it's like they're still addicted to him because there's like some sort of there's some sort of pleasure in what he is and the fact that like maybe he reifies something deep within yourself some like forbidden land or like whatever like that's the whole thing about all these things that are like quote unquote forbidden is like there's like an element of like cringe to all of this shit you know what i mean it's like there's like a larpy weird cringe like you know, wabi-sabi type of, like, anti-aesthetic. And I think that that's kind of, like, in in sort of, like, the way in which, like, as as far as, far as we'll quote this as calling it, like, postmodern, like, that's the kind of joy in, like, postmodern visual culture is the fact that, like, it kind of sucks. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I mean, like, and it's also, it's not any one thing. Like, you know, one of the funny things about the Potato Gang is that we, as as soon as we started all talking, we quickly recognized that all of us are five years apart in age. So I'm 25, Dorian's 30, and then it's like up by five for the other two accounts. And so it's this very weird spread. And I think that like, I was so like, I'm on that weird lower end of millennial age range. And, you know, you get people like Zizek who will sit back and say, oh, well, you know, we sh- we should reinstate grand universal narratives and i'm like and that's what ultimately like people are flailing for within like return to tradition stuff or whatever else but it's like i i whether or not your prescription of returning to grand universal narratives is a good and moral goal the reality of pomo is that it's never over and it's like just try it Like, you can't do it. It's not even about whether or not we could or we should. It's about the fact that get at this point. I mean, you run that Lash Quotes page. It's like all against all. There is that constant atomization. And I think even like a cool, maybe generative individuation amongst people at this point, where getting everybody on some tip 
would involve them all to get to like the vaguest point possible in which there's actual no like grand compass. When you had Trump win in 2016, you start getting all these like losers talking about post-truth politics. And then many of them kind of getting massively acerbic towards like homo dudes from the 60s through 80s. And it really frustrates me because it's like blaming meteorologists for the weather. (laughs) Like, no, it's true. It's like, well, that's the thing is like Trump is such a part of like the the culture in which you've kind of at like, I say that like Trump is like a Derridian. Sure. Like, like full blown. Like he is like literally like Heidegger through Derrida. And, you know, actually, I've been reading uh, The Gift of Death by Derrida recently. So good. So yeah. good. And I had been one of those people who was really dismissive of, of Derrida. But then I realized it's like actually through like Ernst Jünger and, you know, he talks about Jünger and Schmidt and like yeah. all the people like Gift of Death. It's kind of like his like really fucking based like you can't go there text kind of thing or it's like and, and it, I think it's really interesting the way and it's like Jünger talked about this as like political errors can have great effects. You know, they, they can make uh, possible uh, cures to diseases you never knew you had. Like, don't ever underestimate the power of a political error. And it's like, when we talk about all this kind of like stuff and, you know, people talk about like the deep status, yeah, especially with the riots going on, it's like, what side are you fighting for? And like, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And where does the error lie? Like, where is the glitch? And it's like, if you're truly interested in like, a radical kind of like um, politics or, or like life or theory or existence. Like you want to go to where the glitch is. Like you want right. you you want to be next to that glitch. You want to be a part of that of that of 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 whatever that is. That's the thing you're trying to read. That's the thing you're trying to understand and interpret. And that's your goal is because that's where the true energy lies. Like you're just going towards the source of the energy. You don't necessarily like have to take a position on it. You know, like you don't have to, you don't, all you have to do is read the glitch. You have to read the glitch and then matters of historiography and ethics, like they'll sort themselves out. Well, I mean, you, you get this with like, I mean, we all, I think probably here agree that raises on like a different tip now um, in a a specific way. But in the second... What did you say, Julian? Blame uh, Ray Brazier for that. For sure. Um, so I like Brazier. I do know. Me too. Like Brazier has this great text called "Genre is Obsolete" on like to live and shave in LA. I know and, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the but like with Reza, we we've talked in private about that social discipline pod or whatever. Reza did this thing in there that I thought was really cute because Madden and Miguel are a little more like just panicky and lib and Reza says this thing about how conspiracy theories whether you give them credence or not are really good compasses for exactly what you're talking about like ruptures and glitches like conspiracy well, theories really into counterfactuals because right he, because of because he's approaching things through this sort of sort of the philosophy of science and that you need counterfactuals in order to talk about and me and Reza you know we used to know each other pretty well um and i don't want to get into it because it's it's just not important but that's one thing that he kind of talks about he gets accused of being like anti-moral and 
there there i mean the thing about him for like who he is is like a sort of marxian analytic philosopher like people have tried to cancel him a lot of times because he's said things cryptically that a lot of people really don't like like yeah. he's kind of an edgelord like he really for is. sure well but, i just yeah. i really, really the power i saw like people like trying to cancel him on facebook it was entirely- oh yeah when he defended nina that was yeah. I, I love her too. She's amazing. Nina rules. She's so um, but yeah, I just I like that thing of like you like Kanye West like famously quoted Wreck It Ralph and he's like I'm the glitch. Like it's and it's true. Like you look at four years ago, he's like sitting down and he's being like, Hey man, like black people are treated as less than black if they don't vote for Democrats blind blindly. And then like Joe Biden like comes out a week and a half ago and makes it like scripture and it's it's like real but the thing with i I really like that reza is like accurately kind of placing value on the idea that whether or not you buy into one conspiracy or another that they are really good compasses for where ruptures in societal work are and i mean this is like a weird thing about any sort of like we've talked about like the reductive narratives and like i mean like my my handle on instagram is like a dumbass like phrenology joke because it's like smooth and striated lanes like lane politics are like a 21st century like skull measuring shit and you yeah. get into this weird space where like everyone's being shamed right now into some sort of like shamed into virtue signaling while also being told that no form of virtue signaling would ever be Good enough it. or appropriate. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's that's going to work. Um, that's going to help, really, I, I bet. Um, and you do watch, like, these people who ultimately, I think, have some sort of, like, basic class politic, like this basic idea that they are, there's people who aren't them that they would like to at least be as stable as and that that may not be entirely fair and it's being entirely eradicated by you know fucking people who did slam poetry at like a ivy league university oh totally and you know like the, the thing that's super funny to me is like no one like i'm a gender and like i i don't identify with any of that shit but like I yeah. live in the I like live in North Carolina, and I I'd rather talk to people who like think of me as a man than talk to people who hear that I'm queer and think they know something about me. Yeah, like yeah. when you interact with so much of this shit, like we talk about how the left secretly hates like actual poor people, but we don't talk right. about the fact that like BLM secretly hates their group and. Yeah all of these people are constantly signaling and counter signaling instead of actually appropriately being like, Oh, like, right. That person is going to show up. I mean, Lenin talks about this. Yeah. He, he talks about the fact that end of the day, no matter what comes of the Bolshevik revolution, if it does one day fail and it is spoiler. um, But like, if it does one day fail, it will be, but, but, because farmers were killing Saurus, not because they had read Marx and believed in an appropriate future, but yeah. instead because they hated the Tsarists. Yeah, And it's like, you do, I mean, th- this is what the work of the meme is. Julian and the rest of us talk about how there need to be like tiers of work and 
you should be making serious work too. You should be writing papers and you should be making stuff. But the memes are really useful because, you know, Goita said that architecture is frozen music. And I like to think that like memes are like the aerosol form of that. Yeah. Like it's entirely gaseous. It's entirely free exchange. It immediately fills whatever space it's in. Yeah. Exactly. And you're like, you're entirely around it. And I think that that is in and of itself, like, without signaling towards being class oriented, it's so, it's like very much the expression of our time that we can just, you can get weird shit. I think about the fact that like our parents and like weird uncles and aunts may accidentally just get a meme that they don't understand in front of them. And that that's how many people find shit now. It's not like, oh, I listened to a podcast and I knew what this was. It's a generational lag. It's like, because it's, in, in a, it's, it's almost like within one civilization, we're operating on different civilizational levels. And those, and those uh, divisions are getting larger and larger because it's like, I walk down the street and there's somebody who based on their age, it's like they're growing up within a completely different civilizational apparatus than I am, for example. And so it's like what you're doing is almost like you're almost like owning different like generational demographics through mimicry. And because right. it's basically like everything's a game at this point. Like we all know it's a game. Like the, the, the mask has been left off. Like the mask has kind of been lifted on a lot of this stuff. It's like I, I've been because I got really into like Pierre Bordeaux and like his like Illusio theory stuff about how it's like, you know, you see another person playing a game and then you play that game and it the game justifies itself only by virtue of other people playing it, even though it's completely wrong, even though it's completely false. And so like one of the things that I think is like really weird now is like, if you do in a very memeable time where there's a lot of like virtue signaling and there's a lot of graphic designers making these like super like, uh, you know, elaborate BLM kind of sloganeering things to gain more followers. And it's like, well, why don't you say something? If you want something to actually hold power, you have to do something that's of sacrifice. Like you either need to go out there like, and this is why I tell people like, and I I am for the protests. Like I am, like I do support, like, you know, I'm not pro cop in a lot of ways, in some ways I'm pro rioting, but there has to be the spiritual anti-material element to that thing because it can't be done for like, non-metaphysical gains like there has to be that one component which is why i think one of the greatest failures of like bolshevism right and why bolshevism at at the end we're like oh shit we're gonna need something and the communists started to try to reappropriate like eastern orthodox christianity down the line because they're like oh fuck we need this now like oh what do we do i mean there's a there's a few points there so first of all i'm a really big fan of the menshevik uh Um, I'm really into this kind of like, uh, obliteration of the classical family. Like family is a very useful unit in capitalism to like guard you from this, but like eventually in a proper society, like people should treat children like they're the community's children and like interact with them appropriately. And it's one of these funny things when you talk about like the spiritual component of rioting. I mean, I think the thing that like, can become frustrating with that is that it is impossible to like once again like instate some sort of grand narrative and i i don't know like you you talk about like people playing games 
ultimately like the generational gap itself is a game like Sam Chris had this point um, in a write up at the end of the decade, uh, like late last year called Teenage Bloodbath. And he talks about yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen that that piece rules. And I really like Sam, like he's become a lot less retarded since he got canceled. Yeah. And it's, that's very true. It's absolutely amazing. Well, that's the thing is like getting canceled. It's, it's kind of like it, it kind of wakes you up to this whole thing. Like once you get canceled, like there's almost no going back. And this is kind of the weird thing about cancel culture. And this is why I go into like intersectionality in the hierarchies within hierarchies. Like I very much believe in like intersectionality as like a strong concept that has like actual merit and value. Like, mm. but by leaving out certain demographic groups and not acknowledging, like my whole thing is like white supremacy a hundred percent exists, but cancel culture shows you the way in which certain whites are not are subjugated to the sort of control apparatuses of that thing and so it doesn't and you know with tfw no gf which is a documentary I yeah think, we were producing uh, on it and i think it shows you the way in which like like intersectionality as a concept becomes impotent if you refuse to acknowledge that there are realities and subjects within subjects and that that is true that is true fucking like intersectionality like that's well, this what is, it is this is why i started making memes about like a gambin and the homo sacker and stuff it's yeah. like it's very important to remember that like if there's any group of people on this planet that's living post cancellation, probably from birth, it's like fat, ugly white dudes. Oh, totally. And it's like, they're already existing in that space in which like even solidarity is like scoffed upon. And you know, you, you have, it's, it's back to like, we want to use words like desiring machines. It's like, if you want to look at what produces desire in people and produces and produces these things you have to have some sort of causal mechanism for talking about what someone's motives are for interaction and i mean i I love pasolini i know you do as well you go back to the 68 shit it's like i will never condemn protest riots whatever because i think it's just corny to like sit there from that position but it's like you know i where even like Murphy and Moldbug really, really lose me is on like some sort of like, no matter where you are on the spectrum, some sort of patchwork shit. It's like, I don't want to abolish the police because I don't want like black water in America. Like I don't want, I don't want fucking private cops and cops are, I love, you know, Amy Therese and and what's left on that because it's just like the hidden libertarian within the anarchist, which is just like, I see so many like, uh, you know, people that think they're anarchists and, and it's your, you know, community police person is totally just going to be, it's going to be outsourced. There's going to be, yeah, there's going to be aid. going to be private paramilitary shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they, like, so talking about the libertarian thing, I think that that's like something that even people's collective memory with Trump is so dumb. The blueprint for Trump is 2010 Tea Party shit. The ability for the right wing to invite their crazy cousins to the table and say, hey, we look pretty reasonable, don't we? Ever since the Red Scare, the left has been able to like, kind of, they've been too scared to invite their like spare tired Jew communists, like these people to the table because they're like scared of getting called pinkos as it is. And it's really allowed us to slide right. I mean, I think that 
one of the things that Moldbug never thinks about, and it's like where you can watch him be his most liberal, it's like the term red pill is such a like ontological, like you're dry snitching on yourself because where you, where I come from, every conservative I know isn't red pilled. They were like, were raised this way. Red pill is a word for, I was raised liberal and then post 9-11, this is what my reality's been. On yeah. some level, you're getting turned. And I like, I have these like sneaky theories about how like weed absolutely pushed everyone in America libertarian. Cause it's like the infiltrate, oh, wow. it's the infiltrator in every liberal home that taught them like, oh man, like I should be able to get away with some shit on some like state by state level. And you watch things like what happened in Georgia and Alabama where the general racket is, we're gonna try to repeal Roe v. Wade by on a state level being like, oh no, I don't wanna do that. So we'll get it run up to the Supreme Court if you can test it. That's Colorado. That's Washington and Oregon. That's the weed plan of interacting with America. It emboldened states' rights super heavily. Oh, completely. And you know what else is kind of interesting is like, it's funny how like the Cryo, the, the Carlisle group, which is, you know, big neocon owns 50% of Supreme. <laughs> and so I think people don't understand, like they're signaling, and I'm actually looking for this of all the Supreme people and skaters uh, when during the 2016 election, all posing like they're all hard and it just says hashtag like I'm with her. And, you know, it's like they're out there making like the rubber bullets for police. And at the end of the day, it's like, I see it this way. It's like, you have these kind of like hype beast anarchists resurrecting this like hyper individualistic view of, of social frameworks and like framing it through these like very boilerplate SJW ways, but like they're all functioning functionally libertarians. And this is the hard thing for me because like on one level, like I empathize with like, Obviously, I'm against police brutality. Like, I think the demographics show you that it's not, especially advanced demographics, that it's not as racial as people make it out to be, obviously. And I think that hopefully that becomes self-evident again until there's a whole other, like, retarded scandal and then people's logic goes out the window. But one of the things that I think about is, like, I am not a fan of capitalism, right? Like, I... so for me, and like, I say this, like, first and foremost, like, I don't know what to necessarily replace it with, because it's like, you go to state socialism to get universal communism and like, out of that, but it's almost like national socialism or national populism is like, what you would need in almost like a reinterpretation of Lenin, in order to get like, true like internationalism and true communism is like all these working class people must embrace the state in order to even abolish money in order to get true communism. So it's almost like you would have to move to what the liberals see as like the right in order to get to communism. Like I ideally like that's, but that's like the honest truth, even if you're supposed to get there, you know, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting thing because like, I think the libertarian thing is constantly territorializing like, in so many places, like the sex work debate is constantly just like these people who are like 100% trying to like make money that wouldn't exist if this was legal and regulated on the backs of the worst treated people. But it's people so hard that because industry. a lot of these people, they say they're against, and this is what makes me mad is that they say they're against capitalism, but they're, they're like the biggest capitalist 
ever. And you, and it's just, yeah, this is the hard part for me is like, I, like, like I said, like, I don't believe in like left or right, but like, but I try, but like my heart is really in like, I think capitalism is pretty fucking shitty, you know, like, and right. I don't like it. And I don't like, and I'm not anti-hierarchy, just like Hegel and Mark. I mean, um, uh, Marx and Engels weren't necessarily like I'm pro hierarchy, but it has to be rooted within some sort of reasonable merit meritocracy or like system that actually like rewards like like it's not just only fans like capital like your economy right. isn't just driven by like you know twerking and stuff. well this is this is this exists in two spaces that are hyper relevant so first of all like art world and music people are yeah. some of the most capitalistic people i've ever oh, met in my life 100 yeah. yeah. like i mean just even the idea that there's like someone who's plumbing for 40 hours a week and you like deserve to have a living wage off of exactly. something that is your personal it's like, expression it's like and if it's not your personal bo- yeah you're you, that's bourgeoisie stuff that's it's it, one yeah it's counter-revolutionary like a lot of these things that people advocate for under the guise of leftism would be seen in actually existing leftism as like a hundred percent you know counter-revolution as as reactionary right and it also like i mean it, you know like it commandeers or like it gives credence to the kind of way that like right people see all leftists as just more liberal than liberal too which i think is like a thing that's just starting to get kind of overturned but the way that i see things very i mean julian and i talk about this where even just like stressing out over who steals your meme is the most insane thing and you watch people do it you watch people get really pressed like aloiso who like God bless he Valencia right like that's fine but you're ultimately you're making text post memes of other things you've heard somewhere else or and it's like these deep fried just kind of like text memes yeah and then you get mad that someone with a larger platform like posts it and it's like that is so the, I mean intellectual property is just as stupid as property uh, to me I've associated that with like a kind of like Silicon Valley libertarian like I don't know, like, uh, whatever, Lawrence Lessig, like, everything open. I feel like there was a time in in American history of a kind of, like, creative lumpen, in a way. Because, like, I came from parents that were like that, where they were, like, the lower middle class of the media industry, you know, which is, like, a weird specific position, and I don't, or, like, of, of, they made, like, you know, film, and, and, uh, but it was always, like, you know, very precarious, and, and I, and I get that, that, that there is something inherently, like, bougie, maybe, about even being able to do that, or something, but not, not really, it, again, it's, like, there's so much that, that's, that matters about that, like, if you're looking at the way in which, like, craftsman culture, like, even within film, there was a, in that element, especially even back then, there was this thing of like, oh, this is like, there's an artisanship. I'm just talking, I'm talking more about like, sort of like post-internet world. Well, this, I mean, but this is like, what gets me is, as a matter of like, jealousy, or a matter of like, frustration, as if someone's taking like, food out of your mouth, you should recognize that this isn't like, work. And but I but real- I feel like this is something that's connected to this kind of like racialized narrative, which is like I understand it because I I mean like 
yeah, I feel like a lot of musicians, like there's no way to say that you, I mean, there's definitely forms of music that like are very, are more unrelated to black musics, but like there's so many aspects of music where you're literally judging how good you're playing on how black it is almost. So no, there yeah. is this giant, crazy kind of like debt in American culture, but it's also just really weird the way it can play out with, well, why does this person have an, an, an ownership? Of, or I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if well, it's a no, and, Well, lineage is funny in the first place. I mean, like, y'all fuck with country. And, like, Steve Earle is, like, one of my favorite people of all time. Just, like, truly incredible. He just put on a new record that I fuck with pretty heavily. And it's, like, you have, at any one point, it's almost easier to do it on a microscopic level when you zero in. And then you're, like, oh, right. Like, at all points, there's always multiple lineages and at all points there's always you hear people who are like oh the 80s are really in again and it's like what the fuck does that mean like there's an whether it is in film or it's in something else things ebb and flow in and out but kind of everything is already always present you have nostalgia and regurgitations across i mean it's a fucking i mean this is even why it's ridiculous for us to be producing and exporting our like racial tensions from America to a planet that is one-fourth Chinese and Indian. It's like, these people are not even interacting with all of our same narratives. There's so much shit. That's but there is, there's an eating. element, the ownership of recovery, which I feel like you guys are all really familiar with from philosophy because it's always like, it's like Deleuze's Spinoza. Now he uh, owns that version of it. So it's like that same thing exists in music of like, you know, someone taking someone's feel, but then refining it in some way where it then is now no longer either person's thing. And I guess that's just a really intangible, hard thing to try to guard that or- Well, like the recuperative is a constant dialectic. Like you see this at the broadest sense with like poptimism, where at any one point, like poptimism is, I mean, it's necessitating its own push and pull tug of war towards people being like, oh, you're being too generous towards. And it's like, I have fucking Kate Bush knuckle tattoos. And like, I I don't- Uh, it's not exactly like there's and I like that person because like the dreaming sounds like a coil record but like that isn't what most people are interacting with when they're talking about like oh I like pop music whatever but you hear that kind of like phrase right you hear like people talk about or even you hear even more people deride I listen to everything and it's like at all points you're a midwit at all points with literacy or anything else, if you don't have the humility to recognize that you're just starting out, you're like really, really, really doing everyone a disservice. I'm not, the memes we make aren't to assert authority over Deleuze. It is also like why I'm not worried about being stolen from. I'm like, if my content is good, it's because of me. And I'm not worried about the ability to like, that's Not, a very that's a very vitalist take. I can it's funny though, because I think I think Deleuze was thinking about asserting ownership because there's like there's a famous quote of his uh, in this letter that someone writes to him and he responds to them and he's and he's saying that like I'm taking other philosophers from behind and that's interesting you say that is like but I feel like he's but because he's a vitalist and because he's No, that's that's exactly it. Yodorowsky does the same thing. Yodorowsky talks about how he was raping Frank Herbert. Yeah. When he was making Dune and has actively said he's never read Dune. Yeah. Like 
it is actually really important to, I think maybe Althusser has this great book after he like chokes out his wife and like goes to an insane asylum called The Future Lasts a Long Time. Yeah. And he talks about how he read basically just the citations in his work and has not read the books that he was citing. He's just oh. reading. Althusser is known for not reading full books. But, like. I, but I think that it's funny because... I like that he dry snitches on himself yeah. because it's there's an honesty to that that other people aren't willing to come to, which is I think that like largely you you work through a book. And I think this is, Julian and I talk about this with like, even just what happens with Zizek or what happens with Chomsky or any of these people who are admittedly like easily like complicated and sometimes annoying figures. The real failing is that they're turned into pundits like the idea that you're a theorist and you're good at thinking in the same way that i can ask a sports commentator about the game tonight i can ask you about a world event and it will be worth the same like salt that you are worth when you're talking about something in a book you wrote over six to three uh, six months to three years and this is ridiculous because I mean, this is even like I, when I was younger, I was really, really polemical. And I like, I was very on Facebook and gotten myself in a lot of trouble. And you get into this space where you're like mad at hypocrites and you're mad at people who contradict themselves. And then you realize like, no, the, the, the nature of growth is hypocritical. Like the nature of growing as a person is contradicting yourself. Like if you want to go, look at Deleuze in his mid to late 30s and then at another age like why are you even playing team sports with thinkers that don't agree with themselves yeah well there's always there's always different periods and it's like I think people I mean and this is the whole issue with people who say they're Marxists it's like well what period are you talking about because like Marx late Marx and they're completely different theorists that came out of like the Marxian, you know, canon that have like wildly, I mean, look at Michelle Klaus card, for example. I don't know if you know about him, but he was actually, he was super anti-Freudo Marxism. He wanted like a Marxist variation of like nationalism and populism. He was like this super, he was like a Kojevi guy. He was real, came from like structural school, but he basically just sounds like a right-wing populist because he like deems all early uh, sociological Marxism to just be like complete crap and he just cares about capital. You know what, what I mean? I mean, I think that's maybe what's interesting about like, even just like tracking some sort of historiography of how ideas move across even just the internet in this short space. Like right. Julian's been friends with Luke, who is another, like the other, uh, per the person who does Delusion and Dragons much longer. And I think like, I mean, Luke's been making memes on Instagram of this sort long before me. So is Julian. And like, Julian, do you have like anything kind of like even more about the way in which events in unfolded in that space? Yeah, no, sure. Um, I think, so I don't know, personally it started like, so I was like a, in high school and through college, I was like into like, uh, you know, Foucault and Derrida and post-structuralism because it sounded cool and it's stuff like I weren't being like taught in like high school. 
Uh, and then I got into uh, a friend of mine who was a Delusian, and um, they took a class together. He wrote a paper uh, about Fight Club. It was called Fight Club in the Delusian Century. And he also would just like a, a typical Delusian, just like a, a, an obsessive. And he needed like somebody to kind of, he needed like an output for it. And he did, and we did a lot of psychedelics together. And he, and that's kind of how I learned to lose secondhand. And then eventually fast forward a couple of years later, maybe around 2015, um, I started like getting back into it, reading it on my own. I think partially through memes, it was partially through the Zizek uh, meme page, partially through the Deleuze uh, meme page. Uh, and then, I don't know, I got onto Instagram and I'm like, I, I started just making these memes for them. And I kind of just, um, like nobody's doing this on Instagram. I see, so like my Instagram just started out as just me posting uh, out, out, outsideness quotes and reposting Deleuze and Dragons uh, memes. Until I started like making them my own, uh, I got the confidence to make them my own, to make my own, and then uh, I linked up or I friended uh, Luke and then Zai, and then that's how like we started. But uh, yeah, and yeah. your your memes are are visually pretty elaborate. Like you go deep on on this sort of Photoshop tip. The one I <laughs> thought was really I'm an amateur. I didn't know how to do that like a year ago like it's i'm still oh, yeah. like learning as well yeah that's well, I mean, I've been the same boat is like i'm sort of like an amateur designer now just by virtue yeah. of like trying to like establish a a language for like my thought you know and our thought i think that's kind of the weird thing about me and alex is it's like like and this is kind of weird because we come from a music background. Like I've been in like bands and he's a musician and it's like, you kind of, if, if you're interested in, in like explicating this kind of stuff, you have to be like, music is really craft based or at least the kind we do. Like it's yeah. very like, ner- like we're super kind of like nerd. He, him as an engineer, me as like a guitar player about like the craftsmanship element of it. And by going through this project, I realized like you have to get a little bit more like meta and galaxy brain. Like the reason yeah. I like the thinkers that I like is because they're not craftsmen. They're just ga- they're just meta. They're just meta. You know, like the craft already exists in the world, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to explicate the way in which all of those interlocking crafts or non-crafts, readings, non-readings, like the way they all interact. And so I think. And by going through these projects, like I've had to like unlearn how to be a musician. It's almost to the point where I've almost completely given up music because I just want to think about things on this like super like cosmological level because like that's where, because I, I see the, the craft in the world and I don't see the acknowledgement of it in a certain way. So it's like, all right, yeah, I'm going to learn Photoshop and I'm going to like get more just like into like, and it just becomes like this weird conceptual art project, you know? And it's like David D's just died too, if yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah really, for sure. Really fucking trippy. Cause that dude is like, <laughs> it's such a trip, but he's like such a potent post-conceptual artist in the, yeah, these yeah. ways. Like it's, it's like it's totally a fucking trip. But you know, it's like, but that's what I'm saying is like it almost just takes on this like whole art project, like even like podcasting or like talking, it's like, no, like this isn't a podcast. It's like a part of like a bigger intellectual 
project, an aesthetic project towards like trying towards learning and towards like knowing and understanding. And so it's like, whether you, you're approaching that through memes or whether you're like doing things musically or like, but it, I see it like, as like all something that fits together. This goes back to the intellectual property thing of like, I know that like whatever I do, blah, 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 or the things that I say, like if someone wants to use that for something else and they're bigger than me, like I'm not going to side bust or like cap them for it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. graffiti writers would do. Like I, I'm just happy that the idea is out, you know? And yeah, like, same. I, I say I had that problem too. I used to get like bitter and slightly like upset when people would steal my meme, especially when I had like three followers. But yeah, no, I think it's, yeah, you know, again, like you know, going back to what we were talking about before, it's like, it's, it's out there. And I'm like flattered that, you know, uh, you know, it's being spread, you know. Yeah, like, when, it, like when Contbot started his pseudo-doxical podcast, like he started including musical interludes. And like, I'd been in some like group chats with him over the movie thing. And like, uh, I don't think he likes me very much and vice versa maybe but maybe it's just on some weird i don't know but i noticed like his format of like the visual language and all the stuff like it started looking more and more like our thing and like we don't even have a following and i noticed that like a lot of his formatting and the way in which he would make because a lot of podcasts like i would say before us doing our thing like they didn't have different visual content for each podcast before they yeah. did it. It was just like right. Red Scare, Tramp Stamp photo, and right. episode thing with a brief description. Like podcasts were very anti-aesthetic. And I was like- per well, Perfume Nationalist had had some pretty strong original music interludes. Well, yeah, well, like, oh, like- totally, yeah. Well, like Orton, uh, Jack's brother. Like, I don't want to take credit for that. for that. Basically, like, like I said, like it's not about taking singular credit about it. It's just like being a part of something that other people who may be- more well known than you are also picking up on you know it's like you're just a part of something yeah an well, uncreditable like, thing it's like an annoyingly uncreditable thing well i think that that's i mean i it's it's uh, but that's not a bad thing like it's it's a, it's, a, it's a zeitgeist thing like perf yeah. a perf that is definitely why Contbot's doing it because they're like super close totally. but like what's weird is like you look at what madden and miguel are doing with social discipline and it's like yeah horribly and like fun and kind of sound designy it's the same but i do like the occasional moments where it gets like very loud and i'm yeah. like why is this happening this is so sick but it, yeah. it is it's all about i'm about to have a podcast of my own called aim low online and oh, cool. it's every episode's like entirely like scored differently from each episode yeah that's and what they did with the with the social discipline one that i noticed we're gonna do like even just like on the patreon like you can get just the audio file oh, without wow. us talking and stuff Sick. and like yeah. i think that i mean i don't know if you guys know like jack callahan from like yeah, you know, yeah dire so that dude he's like West Coast, East Coast, like weird kind of him and Jeff Witcher, who used to do oh, Renee Jeff, Howe. Yeah, yeah, I know both those guys really well. Jeff is a good friend of mine. Jeff's like one of my artistic heroes. Full oh, he's amazing. Like, oh, so him, good. But him and uh, one of my favorite people in the whole world. Like, I love Jeff Witcher. His like fucking computer music country shit, approximately 10,000 beers. Absolutely oh, insane. So good. And like so the stuff. And 
it's a great moment for that too. Like speaking of the zeitgeist, them do do their do their thing. Did you get the, to- like what happens on Earth stays on Earth? Yeah, yeah. That's like I mean that's the podcast aesthetic entering sound art is genius totally. because yeah. it is this like I mean it's something that I think about with literacy and this kind of like dumb controlled opposition thing is that you look at someone like Brett Easton Ellis who gets like pummeled in the press for like being a reactionary or whatever and sam chris has a good point about that too where it's like if you're mad at someone for being like a lazy kind of contrarian you're basically implying that you'd prefer a more like dedicated contrarian um and what you have with betty Snellis is like he'll do his podcast and he talks for 45 minutes before he speaks to anyone and it's the most like post NPR retard thing I've ever heard in my life. And it's like, oh my God, like he's the same. He's the same. The people who hate him are the same. Most yeah. of the podcast world for the last 10 years has just like people who sound like they like spewed from Ira Glass's forehead, like Greek myth style. And you get like Ezra Klein who sounds exactly like Ira Glass. And then, you know, like Ira Glass went to modern culture and media studies at Brown. Like it was a semiotics grad. And you have like him and Todd Haynes went to school at the same time at Brown for semiotics. Was he there, with, was he there at the same time as Moldbug? I don't think so. Um, but I think that, like, I think like Moldbug had to have done school in like early 90s, I guess. But like, I don't he's know. Like, he's 47. He's. Yeah. Really, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. He still parties super hard, though. Oh, I'm sure. Like, he's still, he's he's like way <laughs> psychedelics. And I'm hope everything <laughs> would have been. I like would trade anything to have seen how he interacted with the like Taoist kid y'all had on. Um, oh yeah, that that was pretty interesting. I mean, uh, we all did the whole acid mold bug him on acid drunk like Papa Moldbug telling you his whole thing and like just talking for eight hours straight. And calling people like SJW retards. Yeah, like, yeah, which is what he called. Yeah. He was like, oh, this woke Marxist, blah, blah, blah. But it's well, like, like at the end, of, it's like funny because at the end of the day, he's like so much more of a lib than I am. You know, no, so he's, an extremely, yeah. he's an extremely alpha nerd. He no, for sure. Alpha nerd energy. He reminds me of my dad so much. It's like really stressful. Um, yeah. But, like, I think that that's a funny thing, too, with just, like, it. it is a zeitgeist thing. It is, like, a weird kind of, like, you get just get people kind of doing more and more stuff. I think people get a general, they're bored with how this stuff sounds. I, like, the one thing that I do like about Red Scare, like, being so uniform in what they do, is that every time you hear the theme you are like strapped the fuck in and every time because i like listen to like swarm machines and all this like robin mckay like listening to jungle in the 90s that stuff is that stuff's great but now that i every time i hear the tattoo track i hear that opening drum break and i'm like oh my god why isn't this jungle like yeah um the um, the immediate like so good it's just it's like so sick um yeah back to the memes right and like what we're doing with them it's like a matter of techniques and i think that like you speak and then embody through voice and i think a lot of people maybe other than Kotbot, are not really aware of like how much memes are writing and also like miniature embodiment of subjectivity so like not only am i 
like at my best I feel and like at our best I think we're not just taking our action figures and like putting them up next to each other but instead what we're kind of doing is like like Julian's really good with the video stuff and um, <laughs> no no it rules like the the videos like yeah. we recently did the one with like uh, uh we like collab no, we like we did the like dancing analytic philosophy. One. Yeah, that yeah, I'm especially proud of that one. Yeah, the yeah. Carnap one, and it's like it's true. Yeah, like, yeah, if you yeah. look at you look at like Aiken Urkin, and it's literally just like a dude who like Reza told like you can get you can like fuck if you like analytic philosophy now, which has like been a no fly zone forever, and it's like yeah. now it's the cool thing to do is to be like. Oh. Totally. Well, epistemologically, like unapproachable. Yeah, and and I think part of me is like I kind of I was kind of getting into the sort of analytic side of things, and then I just got into cultural anthropology and like how do you talk anthropology? And because I was like on that sort of trajectory, you know, getting into that stuff, and like, dude, like you don't read that shit for like five, six months, you forget almost all of it, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, hey, like okay. I, you know, and so it's like, I, I can't jump back into that stuff anymore. Cause I was like, you know, like I was reading Brandom and like a lot of sellers and the one guy who I do still really like, especially with his like aesthetics and art is like Nelson Goodman. Like sure. Goodman, yeah. Goodman is somebody who I, I still really, really follow. But, but one thing that I'm also noticing is like, if you look at like, Twitter and the sort of each one of these platforms and all of its limitations have their own sort of internal logic. And so for me, it's like, I was never a Twitter dude. Like I'm not good at Twitter. I'm really, really bad at it. It's like every time I write on Twitter, it's just like, I realize like I sound way more retarded than I could ever be perceived in any other kind of way. You can't say anything sincere, or if you, if you do it, you have to couch it in, like, five layers of irony. Uh, and I don't, I don't like that, because, like, I'm the kind of, like, autistic person that, like, I don't understand irony. Like, no, I'm, like I, I'm, like, a bleeding heart zealot type of person, and, like, I, res- and so, for me, it's, like, the ironic uh, placings of Twitter are really bad for someone like me, because I'm just so autistic in that way, where people have, like, I... Like, I don't understand it. You know what I mean? Like, everything, yeah. everything has to be, like, this long format. Like, I'm not making quips. Like, I try to think of things, like, in, like, I guess, like, larger, not larger, because I don't want to say it's better or anything's better or worse. It's just, like, sure. but that's the interesting thing about Instagram and the way you guys use Instagram is, like, Instagram actually works a lot better for somebody like me because you can interact with things on a visual level more and you can i honestly think you can be more sincere and you can actually get across something that's like a little bit less like thought bubbly it's also really hard to fight like as someone who spent like i spent years of my life like wasting energy on weird and like you know like very much in that space i watched like the same like tumble shit rise and happen like Wow. Yeah. So like those are people that I like very much spent time around. Like I remember Rain Terranova before Gangster Popeye and shit. Yeah. And you watch stuff like that and it's it's just so fucking dumb. Like no matter what Citarella is doing by like acting as some sort of like ethnographer for Politogram, yeah. You, rec- you recognize that ultimately like the beauty yeah. of it is that it's impossible to fight. It yeah. is like damn 
we get weird DMs and it's like sometimes yeah. stressful to have someone come up to you and just be like, well, why should I care about Justin Murphy? And it's like, I don't know, dude. Like, uh, that's like, that's like our Rogan. Like, yeah, exactly. That's, like, why are you like, that's the weird thing is like, it's like, why, who are you to tell anybody to like what they should care about? Like, but that's the way a lot of people function is they're like, if something isn't that popular, they see numbers and they're saying like, well, that's where the energy source is. That's the power. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, like that's just, that's obviously not true. And that's why, I mean, like, that's why these stat games are just not that important to me because at the end of the day, it's like, I, like, I know a lot of really cool people in the sort of like intellectual sphere and I talked to them and these are people who like, you know, years ago I used to look up to, you know, and it's like, it's like, I know cool people. Like, you know, it's like, I know like even some of my favorite musicians, like growing up, like I know them and have worked with them now. It's like, yeah, I played a fest with like Ariel Pink and like people like I've like, these are all people who I, I grew up like fucking with. And even though like I've taken a backseat role in all of this, it's like, at the end of the day, we're all backseat drivers. Like this idea that sort of like, this any kind of semiotic control over anything is like completely ridiculous and like that's the whole thing about like the kind of like ego tripping side side of things is like to think that like like we're all backseat drivers in this thing and all we can do is sit back and the driver is like some automatic god ai situation and we can we can just whisper in its ear like that's why the like vitalism needs humility at the level in which i'm like well it's diogenes well yeah like why do you want why are you dming me i'm not dming you like i don't need what you i don't need you to like what i like i make the meat yeah i just i'm like oh hey here's what i'm reading here's a funny thing here's what's cool and here's what exists but but like the humility stands at just the level of like i don't i'm learning like anyone who tells you they're not is like right i mean probably not but only yeah. because they're like it's yeah. self-fulfilling like yeah. it is yeah. even i don't think i mean even luke i think he's probably the only one in potato gang who has like who has the most advanced schooling of all four of us but like none of us are authorities on it like even luke will say he's just he's just doing it to like get a better handle on it uh you know i and that's kind of how like memeing it kind of started in a way as like diagramming and just like making charts and i'm like hey that'd be funny if that was like a meme but yeah, yeah no, we're not authorities. I mean, I, I, you know, uh, most of this, like any Deleuzian, like we're, a lot of us are autodidacts. They don't really teach Deleuze in the academy. And if they do, it's like really watered down. Well, and like everyone else in the potato gang, like is like has a degree of some sort other than me. Right. But then like right. all of us are like most of the shit we're into and we're memeing about are not things that came from yeah. school. A weird thing too, where I think, as a, as a communist, I even have this kind of like want to have a more creative left because I do sit back and really enjoy and admire what Perfume Nationalist is. I admire what like Bath is even at its worst because it's just like, wow, like that, that is so much. It's, it is the vitalism thing. What we're yeah. doing by diagramming too, it's like, it's like the early version of the novel and like the epistolary thing where right. what you're doing is you're embodying a subjectivity. Yeah. And I do these long kind of posts that are like me posting in Zizek's voice and trying to like get the mannerism down because I get really pissed at people who are just like, 
like that right. shit right. just like the constant like if i snort in the middle of words that's like that's how he speaks it's like no actually language and syntax follows how someone thinks and paying attention to how you know Zizek is our most important public intellectual since Gorvidal and like whether you like him or not it's important I didn't to like, like his pro Biden take at all I for sure but that's back to the punditry thing yeah, exactly. It's like you. Why do I care what Zizek says why, when but, he's but being asked? Strange because when he came out in support of Trump that first time, I feel like if he would have done said he was in support of Trump again, people wouldn't have given him a shit. It's almost like within our sphere, it's like Biden is almost as reactionary as you can get. Like he literally, no, it is. Like, it is. It totally is. And also, maybe put Biden than than Trump in our world. You I know, mean, also like, maybe potentially in real life, like for pot- very potentially in actual reality, completely. the worst thing that could happen oh, is yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so, Biden accelerationist meme, like he's totally the accelerationist. Oh, oh, fully. I mean, I mean, and this like, is this comes back to the telling on yourself shit too. Like, if you want to get into like cancellation and Biden, like the people who weren't going to vote for that dude who already hated him, who started like being like, oh, like, I'm not going to be made to vote for a rapist. It's like, yo, calm down. Like, you're going to, like, in 15 years, some of us are going to run. Maybe not the four people here. I know about your, like, interest in running for office, Barrett. But, like, outside of that, like, what we need to recognize is that if Bernie Sanders had done something wrong in 1983 we should have been able to be like, yeah, that sucks. But also I like his politics. Yeah. And you're in 15 years, basically going to be in a position in which no one can run for office. It's selective essentialism. And that's why I feel like, and this is the issue. And this is what Trump does is he basically is like, yeah, I said that thing on like Billy Bush's thing. Like, I don't care. And and this is the whole thing. This is how you defeat cancel culture is like, because logos never apologize. Is you never apologize for anything you do ever for any reason. And don't virtue signal ever for any fucking reason. Like you do esteemable actions and you let those actions speak. Like, and this goes back, like, and this is my whole thing with like the left is like, like I want to run on like a patriotic aesthetic as a GOP, as a Republican on a socialist platform. Like, yeah on an Austro-Marxist platform that's, like, revolutionary and has, like, you know, takes into full account, like, bourgeoisie concerns. And the problem is that the first Republican socialist who's running in Kansas, like Matlock, they're on their, like, pro-Green New Deal and shit. Yeah. Right. But that's cool that they're even breaching that whole idea. No, but but I think, but it's, like, the whole Tucker Carlson thing of being, like, there is this weird... Thing where it's like you're seeing people or like uh Sadiq or whatever on like with crystal ball like the the conservative guy it's like you hear him on the hill and it's like these guys sound like anti-woke leftists like sure you know what i mean, well, I mean you you get into a place too where like i mean i, I very often think about sortition and just like the fact that all of our like ideas of representative politics basically boil down to like hitting these negative affinity categories of like you are who you are based on how you've been separated out but like 
still the only professions you can come to being a Congress member are like being a lawyer or a businessman of a certain age, no less. And it does get to this point where it's like, I'd be fine with a bunch of like 95 year old white dudes if they were like plumbers and artists and contractors and, you know, sure, the occasional lawyer and businessman, but that's not a majority of our country. No. And you have, I mean, I legitimately, the idea that like class is the one thing that's not allowed in representative politics is... Well, that just shows you exactly how all of this stuff is just, it all needs to be thrown away because it's all a, it's, it's all a secondary contradiction to obfuscate the primary contradiction, which is that like, what is our universal like in order to get anywhere like we really just need an a non-identity politics because that's really what marxism is it's a politics against identity yeah <laughs> you know, absolutely where, so where does identity as 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 like some sort of like representational metric of like difference fit into this whole like sjw left hysteria and it doesn't because at the end of the day all these people are just like greedy materialists and like and I hate to be so like harsh because I understand like people are acting upon impulses that they themselves are not fully um, agents of, you know, like they don't have. Sure. And this goes kind of goes back to my thing about like the left and how like, like I'm a vitalist. Like I even said, like, I'm like a BAP leftist or something like that sure. you know? or, or like whatever, be just because like, like, I am a vitalist. Like I come from the, the, the Deleuze and Spinoza canon. Like yeah. there is that thing that I really do believe in that like everything, that there's a hidden intelligence and chaos within everything. You well, know, like, and it, and it, and yeah, it just goes back to like, you know, like just like Homer and shit, you know? And I really think that a lot of that stuff just reanimates itself in real life. And like within chaos, there's intelligence. And with everything in life, there's intelligence. And Schopenhauer talks about this too. And it's like, why can't people of the left just be more cosmic about shit? Like, why do they, uh, have, yeah. like, why don't they understand that? Like, if you understand that like will is a collective process, then like, why don't you just take yourself outside of that and just look at things more historically and look at things like, why are you so allergic to power, dude? Like, just no, like, yeah. pump iron, like, don't be a pussy. Like, I what? mean, that's, I mean, that's totally. I mean, I'm like a scrawny guy, but I'm like, yeah, but I have guns. So it's like, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like huge and like, don't identify as a man or whatever, but like, I'm, you know, I'm like fucking five, nine and 215 pounds of muscle. It's like, it's important <laughs> to do that. Like, it's important yeah, exactly. to, and I think that, like, I mean, the thing that you talk about, like, being allergic to power is really important. So, like, you have this general post, like, in a post-neoliberal world, we have, and I always love that thing that Nagel says about how we should stop saying late capitalism because it sounds, like, a little bit optimistic. Um, totally. And right. it's, like, I think a, a thing that, like, Julian and I come from, also like music circles, but maybe like closer, like rusty, like weirder kind of like noise yeah. adjacent spaces. Right. Yeah. And a thing that really frustrates me is you see these people, right? You get these people who wear like White House shirts and they're like, I know what the real shit is. Like, and they'll, they'll, they'll talk to you about like, even just the ability to like, listen to NSBM and Brethren, but like not ideologically agree with it. But sure. you get them in a space 
where you get them online and they'll talk about how they got called into jury duty and they wore their sketchy PE shirt and they like came in looking disheveled and they'll brag about like getting off jury duty, like getting kicked out. And it's like, you are literally the worst kind of person because you imagine yourself as the underground. You imagine yourself as like full of dissent, full of secret knowledge, full of like separateness from society. And you believe you have legitimately proper insight into the world, what it is, how it works. And this is like, this is a, this is a tribal thing. But then the few mechanisms society has that would actually allow you to like, maybe sit in a room and decide whether or not a person lives or dies. You know, like in TFW No GF, there's one of those kids, the two kids that look exactly like each other. One of them has a shirt that says like Google jury nullification. Oh yeah, I have that shirt. And it's like, that's- Apologies LTD, it's Vidian Charles clothing brand. Yeah. I have that shirt, it's so sick. That's deeply, deeply important though, because in reality, like, one of the few places that actually interacts with sortition in this country that says, hey, you can just come in and be a part of civil service. And even if you disagree with the law, if you and 12 people can get around and be like, yeah, that guy's guilty, but that shouldn't be a crime. We can get that person off of some sort of Senate. Yeah. That, there's a mechanism in this place for you to do that. And there's so few mechanisms for you to actually have a voice. Exactly. I mean, the like retard response of going and being like, oh, I'm going to go vote. It's like, vote for which thing. Yeah. And Uh, you, but like these people are allergic to actually interacting. And because I don't have, and I think Julian probably feels a similar way where like, because you don't have that many places in which you can interact with civil service, what your civil service is in society is literacy. It is changing the Overton window and sharing ideas Exactly. In this space, I think we should yeah. call it. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Well, this is awesome, and uh, yeah, we this is great. Definitely do some some stuff in the future. Yeah, I'd like that. Cool. We need we need a we kind of need a, a weird theory Instagram network of people who are just kind of like, especially right now, and just kind of like telling truths and like because Twitter is so blown out. It's like just. I don't. I don't really like it. So I think it's good, and yeah, it's great. Great talking, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, Julian. Yeah, yeah. thank you guys so much. That was thanks. really cool. Take care. Right. I'll, see, I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. All right. Later. Ooh, later.